Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There's a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him, summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the master said to himself, What will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? He answered, a hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 50. Then he asked another, how much do you owe? And he replied, a hundred containers of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and make it 80. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will, you entr- who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. I had my sermon notes in my 830 service bulletin, and I don't have my 830 service bulletin anymore. So we'll see. Uh, I'm sure you know, sometimes I don't even use, I just toss the notes aside anyways and just speak, so. You see what I mean by questions? Make means for yourself, what is it? So if you make friends for yourself by means of dishonest wealth, so that they may welcome you into the internal kingdom when the time comes. And here is this manager who has been acting poorly, right? He's been, um, however, his master, he has not done a good job of handling his master's stuff. He gets caught, and then he goes out and acts on his own behalf. And talks to somebody, how much does he owe you? Cut in a half. How much does he owe you? Take 20% off, right? Oh, now I'm okay. I was cheating before, so I'll cheat again because I don't want to beg and I don't want to work. And then the master says, good for you. You looked out for yourself. You acted shrewdly. 
And then Jesus goes on to say, make means, make friends for yourself by dishonest wealth. Does anybody, as you heard that read, just what is going on? It just doesn't make sense. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a little bit, uh, uh, I don't want to say a Bible study, but learn how to read the Bible from a Lutheran point of view. And hopefully that will help us understand um, what this means. A very Lutheran way of reading Scripture is to read Scripture against itself or to use what we understand in Scripture to help us interpret what we don't understand. Does that make sense? So there's some things that we understand in Scripture. We read it, oh, that makes sense. And then we come across passages like this that I have no idea what's going on. And so we have to use what we understand to help interpret what we don't understand. So I want to talk about that. The other one thing I want to do is give us a little grace to say maybe it's okay if we don't understand everything in Scripture. Think about the task we have at hand, right? Here's an analogy I've been working with this week that has really kind of put it in perspective. Everybody's familiar with Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech, right? 1963, I think it was uh, given. Imagine no TV, no radio, no manuscript of it existed, right? Just the speech and people moved by it. And they told someone else, can you believe what he said? I have a dream. I have it, right? And so word gets out by what people share to one another. And eventually some people say, you know what? This is really good. We need to write this down. And so one person writes it down and maybe another person writes it down and then these are put together to kind of make one hopefully cohesive speech of what was said. Does that make sense, right? And then that gets passed down for the next 2,000 years. Imagine the year 4,019. Imagine Earth is still around. We haven't ruined it with the environment, but we have now colonized or living on other planets in our solar system. Imagine that speech that's been written down, that's been handed on for 2,000 years, eventually makes its way to people now living on other planets. Do you think there might be part of that speech that they don't fully understand? Right? Because it's a different place, a different time, a different culture, a different context. And I think we'd say, ah, it's okay maybe if you don't understand everything. I think they'd understand a lot because there's certain themes that just being human, we resonate with. <laughs> that have been spoken about from the beginning of time, are spoken about today, will continually be spoken about. There's those themes that just run, if you breathe, any community deals with. Hence, that speech would be so powerful then is still going to matter wherever people gather. Because don't we all have dreams about the way the world should be? But yet those people, 2,000 years from now, living in some other planet or some other solar system or some space station, who knows, may not understand everything. It's okay if we don't understand everything. We do our best. We read, we interpret, we discuss. But maybe there's some it just doesn't jive. So what do we do in that stuff that just doesn't jive? That's when we use that Lutheran 
way of reading the Bible of Scripture interpreting Scripture. There are some things we do understand. And I think the people who put together uh, the lectionary, right, we use the, what's called the revised common lectionary to get our readings every Sunday. I don't specifically pick the readings. They come from uh, what you say we just sub, 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 subscribe to. We don't pay. It's out there for anybody to use revised common lectionary. It has an Old Testament reading, a psalm, an epistle, generally something from the letters of Paul, and a gospel reading. So you could have up to four readings every Sunday. We generally use two, maybe three, because I can't talk about them all, and I think it's good to talk about uh, what we are reading. So people, the lectionary we are using was put together in the 60s. I think there's a reason why this reading from Amos is a company this gospel reading, because it talks about other overarching themes that this parable seems to contradict, you know, that this parable seems to be an outlier, but the rest of the overarching story of Scripture seems to be saying something else. So I want to tell you a little bit about Amos, and then we're going to read that Scripture again. Amos is a prophet in Old Testament times about the year 760-750 B.C.E. Uh, at this time, Israel was at, was at its greatest. Greatest military, greatest wealth, greatest size, territory. It was at its height, and it would never return to that point again. It had never been stronger, never been mightier, right? It is into that setting that Amos speaks. Amos is a prophet. The job of prophets are to speak truth to people. We've talked about this before. Are prophets generally popular people? Because they tell you what you don't want to hear. Does that make sense? But they tell you what's really going on. So into the height of Israel, the prophet Amos speaks. Listen to these words again of Amos. And I'm going to give a couple definitions. And Burl did a fine job with uh, Epha. It is a, what's similar to a bushel. It's a dry measuring it's a dry measuring unit. It's almost a bushel, right? A shekel is the monetary unit of the day. Um, I think that's it. Knowing Amos and the context he spoke into, listen to these words again. Hear this, you who tramp, that trample on the needy and bring, ruin, and bring to ruin the poor of the land saying, when will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain and the Sabbath so that we may offer wheat for sale? We will make the ephah small and the shekel great and practice deceit with false balances, buying, sil buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and selling the sweepings of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their deeds. You hear that a little bit differently now? Amos is calling out the people on how they came to be who they are. When I, the Bible I used that I first got in college is the New Oxford Annotated Bible. Right, so all Bibles have notes or chapter headings, all that kind of stuff, right? If you have a Bible, you open it up, it has all those things at the bottom half and at the beginning of each uh, book of the Bible has a little summary of it. I can be pretty particular on what Bible I recommend to people because when we read Scripture and we don't understand something and we're reading from the Bible, where do we look? 
all those notes. All those notes come from a particular theological point of view. So if the Bible is edited by a group of people that we might disagree theologically with, I may not want, I may not recommend that Bible for you to use. Because we read those notes almost as if it is Scripture itself, right? Uh, so on a side note, if you have a Bible that is translated the NRSV, New Revised Standard Version, any edition that goes with that, I would, my opinion, you'd be safe with it. The NRSV, that's the translation we get our readings from. But in my Bible, as it talks about that beginning of the book of Amos, and I wish I had my notes because I had written down uh, exactly how I wanted it there. It said Amos was denouncing Israel for the reliance on their military, for the immorality, for their shallowness, for their piety and lack of uh, ritual for the sake of ritual. Does that make sense? Empty ritual, maybe I'll put it that way. And their uh, social injustices that were going on at the time. Reliance on military might, social injustices, um, empty piety, immorality. You see how themes <laughs> can make their way through in Scripture today? I think that's what Jesus is getting at. That's how we use the second one part of Scripture to help us understand another. One part of Scripture I can't understand that Jesus is saying is when he gets to the end, um, no slave can serve two masters. For a slave will either, either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. That's not to say money is bad. But what kind of influence do we allow money or wealth to have on our lives? Anybody feel pressured to have more? Anybody feel pressured? Just to have more in general, whether it's wealth. When we don't have enough of blank and we feel we need more, what does that lead us to? When we find ourselves lacking of something that we think uh, re makes the world go round, how does that influence our decisions of ourselves, the way we treat other people, the way we interact, right? How does our lack, our perceived lack, affect things on a small scale, on a large scale? I don't fully know what Jesus is saying by this parable. I don't get it. It seems so different than everything else, especially when he follows it up with, you cannot serve two masters, right? But we have an overarching theme from Scripture. And the overarching theme is you're enough. You're loved. Whoever you are, however you are, you are loved. If you're like me, you wake up in the morning and you think, oh, I wish I had a little more here or a little less there. Anybody ever think that when they look in the mirror? <laughs> Yet God says, no. You're loved. You're enough. Live your life that way. Trust 
To me, that's faith. It's trust. What God has said is true. Let that be what dictates your actions, what dictates your decisions, what dictates how we behave, the way we treat yourself, the way you treat others, the way we live, the way we love. You are enough. Amen. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.